Hello, and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Maryville here in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can visit our website to find out more information about our church or to find our full audio archive with all of our messages. So you can find all of that at www.vineyardchurch.us, or you can also subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is where we're going to be. If you want to go ahead and find that in your Bibles, if not, you know, it'll be on the Sky Bible behind me here. But we're going to jump right in. Just a a little bit of context. Um, In these couple of verses, we're going to look at really what Paul is doing is laying out his strategy uh, for how he reached out to the church at Thessalonica. So he, he went to a place and planted a church like from scratch and started something that wasn't there before. And he gives his strategy. This is how I did it. And this is why it worked. And this isn't like a, this isn't a step-by-step strategy. In fact, there's a lot of other things that he did that we know from Scripture. We know that he taught in the synagogues week in and week out uh, before crowds. We, we know that he performed miracles. We know that he started training and developing leaders and teaching people how to understand Scripture, etc., etc., etc. But this, this one concept, is like this overarching idea. This is the real spirit of his work in that place. This is the seed that grew this is the special sauce that made it go, all right? So that's what we're going to do. Let's look at it. First Thessalonians chapter 2, first verse 7. I love this verse. I hope, you, I hope you catch why, what's going on here. He says, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. It's like we had some clout showing up. We could make some demands. But instead, we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. Here's why I love this verse so much. I love this verse so much because Paul catches himself in the middle of a bad illustration. He's probably dictating this, and he's explaining it, and he was like, you know what? We could have made demands upon you, but we didn't make any demands upon you. We didn't ask anything of you. We were like children. And he stops himself and goes, that doesn't, no, that doesn't sound right at all. Um, and then he thought, that, yeah, that came out wrong. Um, and by the way, if you're wondering why he would make this mistake, you can forgive Paul. He was not a father, okay? Um, and I, what I think was happening as he dictated this letter is he was thinking, yeah, we were like children, and children are sweet and kind and wonderful, which, before I continue what I'm about to say next, is true. It is so so true. But as he's thinking these warm, fuzzy thoughts about kids, then he also maybe remembers probably counseling an exhausted, overwhelmed parent. Um, and how they explain to him that these kids are, in fact, more sweet, kind, and wonderful than you could ever imagine. Um, And they are also hyper-demanding little monsters who want to take over every aspect of your life. And so while he's in the middle of explaining, we didn't make any demands upon you because we were like children, he goes, no, that's not right. We were like parents. That's what we were like. We put you first. We did not ask anything in return. We never looked for, came to you with that hand out. We just gave and gave in order to do whatever was best for you. And then, oh, I love this next verse. This next verse so much. I love this next verse. This is one of my favorite verses. And if you've been around the vineyard for very long, you probably just rolled the eyes of your heart and said, Aaron, you have like dozens and dozens of favorite verses. That doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I know, but I really like this one, okay? Like this one's top five, all right? Legit, top five. And there are no more than 15 verses in my top five. So this is, we're way, way up there. This one's really, really big. It says this, it's so important. Here's the strategy. We loved you so much 
that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. He goes, let me, let me tell you how we established this church. We didn't just show up bullhorn. We didn't just show up shouting. We didn't just show up preaching. We walked with you. We loved you so much that we gave you more than just a message. We gave you our very lives. Let me bottom line this for you. Paul's ministry in Thessalonica worked because he loved people there really, really well, period. It was a tough place, a tough context uh, to do ministry. Uh, we saw this last week. There was severe persecution in that context. There was a lot up against him and against that new burgeoning church and against the truth that they were sharing. They had opposition at every turn. And so what he decided he needed to do was pull out the biggest gun, the greatest firepower. Let's use the ultimate weapon, which is let's just love people really, really well. And not just the part where we talk and expect people to listen, but to where we invest in their lives and walk with them day in and day out. We also said last week, our situation is not like the Apostle Paul's, okay? That's a different context than what we experience. They experience severe persecution. And as I said, I want to be clear about this. There's a lot of panicking about persecution in the life of the church right now. Deep breath, everybody. We're not under severe persecution. Don't believe that story, okay? I think we're on balance. We're probably still advantaged as believers in our context, but we can start to see the potential for that perhaps off into the future, maybe not too far into the future. We're starting to face a bit more opposition here or there within the life of the church, and I am sad to report that I see basically two trends in the church's response to what is beginning to be some opposition, some pushback. I see one collection of churches saying, all right, well, we're, we're losing some ground here, so what we're going to do is we're going to power up, we're going to get aggressive, we're going to get militant. This is a call to arms. Let's go fight to protect what's ours. And the other response in contrast to that has been, well, let's just deflate. Let's deflate. Let's compromise our beliefs in order to fit in. Let's, let's blend in to this increasingly secular society. I don't love either of those responses. I hope you don't either. It certainly was not Paul's approach. Instead of doing either of those things. And by the way, those two things look and sound a whole lot different, but they're both born of the exact same thing, fear. That's a fear-based response in each case. Paul says, let's not go that route. Instead, let's use the most powerful and irresistible force in the universe. We're going to just love these people's faces off. At every turn, we're going to walk with people. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. There are two levels of love going on here, okay? The first is loving people enough to share good news with them, all right? Loving them enough to share good news, the truth of the gospel. And, and if you're like, you've been around church for a while, you're like, well, of course, you're going to share the good news. But here's the thing. This is amazing to me. But there is a subset, a growing subset of Christians who were saying we actually shouldn't do that. So um, this, this study is about three or four years old, if I remember correctly. It was from the Barna Group. 47 percent, 47, that's half almost, 47 percent of millennial-aged Christians agreed that it was at least somewhat wrong to witness to someone of a different faith. 
it's at least a little bit wrong to share your faith. And this is among Christians. The idea is that, well, it's judgmental, it's unloving to evangelize. Okay, that is total nonsense. Because here's what Paul does. He lays it out as the, as the baseline, really, as the bare minimum. He's like, to just speak words, well, of course we're going to do that. We're going to go way beyond saying words, but certainly we're going to say words. You cannot love someone and not tell them about life with Jesus. You guys ever heard of uh, Penn Jillette? That's from um, Penn and Teller, if you're familiar with that group. Um, Penn Jillette is a very vocal atheist, and he's very public about his, frankly, open disdain for Christians. But he's not upset that Christians want to share their faith with others. He's upset, in many cases, that we don't do it enough. And this was his response, the words of an atheist. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe what Christianity teaches and not share it with everyone? So, yeah, at a minimum, we share our faith. And, And parts of the church, and throughout different spots and history and places as well, have done this really well. And when Christendom is humming right along, when there's like a, a, a Christian culture with a lot of momentum behind that, then just sharing our faith, work, faith works really pretty well. In that context, in Christendom, all you had to do in order to love your neighbor, really, was invite them to church. Just invite them to church is a good chance they'll show. You know, it just joins the chorus of other people who have told them they should come to church. You just give them a little nudge and cultural forces will take it from there and they'll show up. But that was not true in the Apostle Paul's day in Thessalonica. And guys, it's not true in our day now either. Not even here in the Bible Belt. We can't just share the good news and expect it to work. We have to do what Paul said, share our very lives with people. That's how we bring them to the truth. The idea that people who don't know Jesus will just show up to hear what I have to say is really kind of silly. It really is. It's kindness. It's just some 41-year-old rando who's still trying to look like a youth pastor. I had somebody at Halloween ask me if I was dressed up like a youth pastor. <laughs> I was a little offended. <laughs> For, here's my answer. I didn't actually say it out loud, but you know how you plan what you would say later? Oh, wait, here's my response. I was like, I'm wearing head-to-toe Eddie Bauer right now. I have all the way given up to the dad life, the dad bod, the dad jokes, the dad everything, okay? I've totally given in, um, which is a great decision, by the way. I have two suggestions for you. You should surrender to Jesus and to whatever age you are. Don't fight it, okay? <laughs> so I'm 41, bring it on, all the stuff that comes with it. But here's what I'm saying. Nobody's coming here to hear me, okay? Like, the dad jokes aren't that funny, okay? <laughs> like, you can get better bad dad jokes online anytime, Um But people have come and continue to come and will continue coming, hear me, because you, not me, because you, and me too, (laughs) love these people well enough to share with them not only the gospel, but your own lives as well. Um, The days of just sharing the message are over. We must love our neighbors. Not only announce the love of God for people, we demonstrate it. If you follow our podcast, but um, there's, a, there's an interview up there with uh, Teresa and Renee talking about, if you're wondering, well, what does that look like? I was like, well, listen to Teresa and Renee talk about it on our podcast. That's what it looks like. There's a tendency in um, our context, in our reality right now, to try to curate our relationships. I think this is born out of sort of a, just a broad-based exhaustion that I think is growing in our society. 
I'm tired, I don't have much to give, my schedule's way too full. And so if I am going to make time for friendships and relationships, and we might not say this out loud so much, but just one layer deep, we're saying if I'm going to make time for relationships and for more people in my already full life, then those are going to be people that, frankly, I get along with pretty well, people who aren't going to take a lot. You know, let's, I'm just going to hang out with people who look like me and sound like me and think like me and believe like me because that's a whole lot easier, and the other thing sounds like a whole lot of work, and I'm not going to sugarcoat for you. The other thing is a whole lot of work. But if we do that, guys, we're just not going the way of Jesus. We are called to share our own lives with people. And if you talk to people who have actually done this and done this well, they'll tell you the stories about how they did that in spite of the fact that it seemed sacrificial to pour their lives out and to be with people who weren't quite like them, and it ended up being this massively life-giving thing. Ultimately, that fear is an unfounded one that we end up on empty if we are hospitable. The word hospitality, by the way, that's a biblical word. That's not Martha Stewart's. It's ours, okay? And the word literally means love of strangers. The way of Jesus is to love strangers, to pursue people who aren't like us that we do not always know and convert them into friends. And through that conversion, you have the opportunity to share with them the beauty and the love of Jesus. You guys, if you've been around our church any amount of time, then you know we're really adamant about this. Our church doors are open to anyone, anytime. Whoever wants to come in can come in. And if I ever changed that, by the way, if I got up here and said, we changed it, we got a few people who can't come in, most of you would leave. And the rest of you should, because that's nothing that should ever happen in the life of a church. Our doors must remain open to everyone always. Amen? Okay, so the same must be true of our personal lives as well. The same must be true of our homes as well. And hear me out, I'm not saying that we don't need boundaries, we need boundaries. I'm not saying that we don't need to hang out with people who are like us and who are easy to be around and who, who encourage us and believe like we do and see the world that way that we do. We need those things, we need to protect those relationships, okay? But let me remind you, we're insistent, I think probably all of us, the church must be open and welcoming to serving everyone. Agreed, agreed. Listen, you are the church, if it's true, of the, if it must be true of the church, then it must be true of you. You're the church, not the building, guys. We're moving down the street. But it's, we're not going to be a different church. When we move, we'll just be this church down the street because it's not the building, okay? We'll just finally have more room to grow. And plain and simple, this is how it will continue to grow. And I'm so excited about this because, frankly, you guys are, you do this really well. And you're doing it, uh, like, better every day. I'm seeing this growth. It's going to continue. It will continue to grow because we will love people so much that we will share not only the good news with them, but our lives as well. Amen?